Let's pray and we'll get into it. <clears throat> Father, uh, Lord, I, I thank you for, for tonight that we can gather together. And Lord, every time we, we gather, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, for your anointing. I pray for your Holy Spirit, uh, Lord, to um, uh, do the work that only you can do. You can convict hearts. Uh, Lord, you can change minds. Uh, Lord, you can use one thing, your word, to change our life forever. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, tonight, uh, Lord, that you will be with us. And, uh, Lord, that you, you will use your word uh, to edify uh, your body, the church. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you have your Bible, turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. We're going we're gonna to look at verse 9. To 18, verse 9 to 18 in Nehemiah chapter 2. So if you were here um, two weeks ago, we, you know, we, we were uh, already started in a series in, in the book of Nehemiah. And it's such, a, it's such an encouraging book to me personally, uh, because you have this one man, right? We, we see here a man of vision and a man of prayer. In the last two sessions that we uh, talked about Nehemiah, we see the, the character quality of Nehemiah. He's a man of compassion. When he heard what's going on, right, with, with the people uh, in Jerusalem and how the walls are broken and the people are in reproach, man, he, 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 he sat down and cried. I mean, it was genuine. He had compassion, you know, and, and all this in the midst that he was a high-ranking official in a palace in Susa, right, far away, from that place. So he wasn't even affected by that. He was enjoying the king's palace and all the enjoyment. And yet, and yet he cared for what God cared for, the children of Israel. So much so that he not only prayed, but he fasted and prayed, asking God, right? And then we see that, that this prayer was contagious, right? And we say how our prayer life can be contagious if it's genuine. Right, so much so that it changed his countenance. Right, he waited on the Lord. Remember, he waited on the Lord. Once he prayed, and he 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 in his prayer, we saw that he put skin on the game. Right, he said, "He's like I I, I want to approach the king. I want to approach the king." And we talked about how that was a huge risk. It was a risk for his career, but it's also a risk for his life because you can't just approach the king and dictate the agenda, right? In those times, I mean, that is like, I use this, you're dead, right? You can't just do that. The king doesn't, doesn't do that. We saw that in the book of Esther, where even the queen Esther cannot approach her own husband, the king, without an invitation. That was the protocol. And so, so, so Nehemiah took great risks in his prayer, Right, and then and then he rallied others to pray with him, begging God, God, do something, do something, and 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 that includes skin in the game. That his life, his career was on the line as well. Man, what a model for prayer. And we saw in four months, right, that God answered his prayer, and it was amazing because God answered the prayer through through working through his heart. Right and mine, how how so? Because his countenance fell. We talked about this. How when you are the king's cupbearer, right? When you are with the king, you put up a front 
I don't care how sad you are. You put up a front, you go to work. Just like for most of us going to work, you, you don't bring your baggage to work, generally speaking. Some people do, but generally speaking, if you're professional, you don't bring those to work. You just like act professional. That was expected of Nehemiah as well. But because of the prayers, the intercession, God used that so much so that he couldn't keep a happy face, right? In front of the king and so much so that the king said, what's up? What's wrong? This is, this is sorrow of hearts. And, and, and that's how it all began, right? That's how it all began, that God used that uh, to then, uh, you know, kind of ignite that, that bonus in him finally. Okay, this is it. This is it. And, and, and we saw how uh, Nehemiah was, um, you know, very in tune with God. He acknowledged God in all his ways. And even in the middle of the, the king asking him, okay, so what do you want? Right? What is your request? And we saw how he even asked God first. Right? And we don't know what that is. Right? We don't know what he asked. I, and I, I can only imagine it was like, God, how far? How far should I go? How much should I ask? And I, I can only imagine God say, go all in, right? Just ask for everything. And, and he did. And we saw that, right, from, from, from verse 4, chapter 2 of verse 4 and verse 8, we saw that, that he asked God for permission to leave and build. The, the king granted that. We, we saw that the, the king gave him a timeline, was pleased to send him. And then we see also in verse 7 uh, that uh, letters was requested because they, he had to travel far away, 1,800 miles. We, we say that was like from Kansas City to San Francisco, right? If, if you trek 30 miles a day, that would take about 60 days. And so this is some road trip, if you will, right? And so... Uh, in those days, I mean, there were warlords and there were governors. There was different things. Uh, it was dangerous to travel back then, okay? And so having those letters was, was important. And he asked for that. And then he also asked, right, uh, that, that the king finance it by lumber, right? And, and man, that's cool, right? He even asked for that. And this is not because the king was so generous, right? Uh, in verse 8, we saw right? Uh, I'll just read. And, and a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, which appertain to the house and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Okay, so all that happened because of what? The good hand of my God was upon us. Do you see that, right? It was because of favor from God. God was pleased with Nehemiah. And we use this one verse to kind of encapsulate everything that was happening here. And that was Psalm 37, 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Right? And delight here is to soft yourself, to make yourself pliable to make yourself movable, to humble yourself, to condescend yourself. And that is exactly what Nehemiah did to come to this place. Does that make sense? 
So it wasn't like a coincidence. It wasn't just like, oh, wow, the king was so cool and that happened. No, it was because Nehemiah delight himself unto the Lord. He made himself pliable and he got God's heart for the people of God. He mourned, mourned for them. He cried for them. And God said, that is my heart. I will bless that work. You see that? And he even used the king. Okay, so that's where we kind of end the last time. And so uh, verse 9, we see that now he is ready to go. I mean, right away, once he got all those requests, what we see in the Bible is that he is ready to go. So Nehemiah is a man of action, right? He's a man that dares to ask, but he's also a man of action. And there he goes. Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letter. Now the king has sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. Okay. Uh, and and so, so all that traveling, all that 1,800 miles of traveling is just summarized in this one verse. How boring is that? I mean, you would think, man, road trips, you might have a lot of stories, right? And uh, no stories here, right? And what we see here, the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with him. Okay, that's, if you have read uh, the book of Ezra, you will see this is a bit different with Ezra's situation, okay? Uh, same thing, Ezra had favor with the king, but when we look at Ezra chapter 8 and verse 21, okay, um, uh, Ezra, uh, we see in this situation, uh, was ashamed of asking the king, okay? And I'll read, I'll read these verses. Then I proclaim a fast there at the river of Ahawa, that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way because we had spoken unto the king saying, the hand of our God is upon all them that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all the, them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this and he was entreated uh, of us. And so two different approaches in it, right? And God didn't condemn neither. Right? One was like, oh, shoot, I kind of bragged on God a lot. And so now to ask that, I'm like, oh, I'm a bit ashamed to do so because I'm like bragging on God. And now I'm like, God can protect everything that we do. So I don't, we don't need the horsemen and everything, although it's a very dangerous track. Uh, what we see here in Nehemiah is, is different. It's different. I mean, we didn't see Nehemiah requesting uh, the escort. Uh, but we also don't see Nehemiah refusing the escort. So the, the king offers like, oh, sure. <laughs> I mean, awesome, right? I mean, uh, it's a dangerous trek. Uh, I mean, who, who wants to go that route? With the, <laughs> I mean, with the king's horse and captains, yes. Okay, so that was the idea. Like, oh man, I, I will feel much safer. It probably reduced a lot of the stress, right? Because you just don't know who is, ready to just ambush them during that, that time, okay? But God never condemned either of those things, okay? Both of those are defensible. And so my first key point here is a leader is not afraid to receive help. A leader is not afraid to receive help. A leader is not faithless, 
even if he received help from a pagan king, right? And we see very clearly from the book of Ezra that God moved, stirred the spirit of the king in Persia and how he charged him to build a temple for him. And then again, to this king, Artaxerxes, to give favor. So God can use kings, right? Proverbs 21 verse 1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Right? Uh, Ezra, verse 1 and 2, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, again, pagan king, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him an house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Okay? So we see God can use pagan king to do his will. And as a leader, we're not afraid to receive help. In the case of Nehemiah, it wasn't a case of faithlessness. It was a faith all the way, but hey, why not? The king offered it. <laughs> why not if, the, if, the, if Taylor's job wants to give him four times the salary and, and, and give him the airline tickets to go? It's like, no, I'm going to trust God for that. Uh, okay. Like, sure. <laughs> Taylor's like, yeah, man, Absolutely. You know, I'll, I'll take that, right? So there, there's a little story, right? Man was drowning at the sea. You heard this story. Man drowning at the sea, cried out to the Lord, Lord, help me, save me, I'm drowning. And then there's a helicopter that came. He's like, ah, no, 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 no. God will save me, God will save me. Ah, didn't need the help. Helicopter went away. The, the boat came. He's like, hey, you need help? Nah, 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 God's going to save me. God's going to save me. And then he ended up drowning and then meeting uh, God in a pearly gaze. And then, God, why didn't you help me? And of course, God says, hey, I sent you a helicopter and I sent you a boat, okay? But you didn't receive my help, okay? So a leader is not afraid to receive help, right? Even if it's from a pagan king. Now, moving on to verse 10, we see now the, the antagonist, right? Is introduced. So, verse uh, chapter one, we see the protagonist being Nehemiah, right? And now the, the enemies, right? Uh, the characters are now being introduced. So, verse 10 says, When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Okay, so. Sanballat, uh, uh, meaning his name means the sun moon god is vivified. The sun moon god is vivified. A lot of uh, people uh, think it's, uh, sin is vivified because the sun moon god is named sin as well. So the sun moon god is vivified. And so here uh, we, we see uh, that... Um, uh, there's another character here, Tobiah. Okay, Tobiah, um, interesting, interestingly, means pleasing God. Okay, in this case, he wasn't uh, pleasing God. He was, you know, he was against God. But he was a servant. Uh, he was Tobias the servant, the Ammonite. Okay, so the Ammonite. Uh, if you study this this group of people, they are the descendant of Lot. The descendant of Lot and Lot was the nephew of uh, Abraham, okay? And if you know the story of Lot, when he was getting his 
wife out, the wife looked back and turned into the pillar of salt. The two daughters escaped with him to a cave. And then the two uh, daughters like saying, hey, there's no one to procreate with us, meaning to have babies with us. So they, they, they kind of got the dad drunk and had babies with their dad. Sick story, okay? And that descendants is the Ammonite. And so you will see a lot of weird, crazy practice of the Ammonite that is just idolatry to the, to the max. And so you have these two characters, okay? And what we see here is that they hate what God is doing in Nehemiah, okay? The, the Bible says that they were, uh, when they heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly. Not just grieve them, but grieve them exceedingly. Very grieved, okay? Very angry, okay? And, and it gives us a glimpse of how the enemy thinks of the people of God who acts on the will of God, okay? This is, this is very important, okay? Okay, so, so this is key point number two. Key point number two is the, the enemy starts to pay attention when prayers are turning into clear action, okay? Key point two, the enemy starts to pay attention when prayers are turning into clear action. It's very clear that they, that they were envious, right? They, are, they, they, they don't want anyone to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. They were jealous, okay? And so we see in John 15, verse 19, if ye were of the world, the world will love his own, but because ye are not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. You see, when your prayers turn into action, you're trusting God, and suddenly now God is giving you specific instruction and specific favor, and you start working on something, right? Do not be surprised when there are people that will be hating you, right? And that could even be um, your parents, right, that are lost, that doesn't know what's going on. And they like, hey, they, they hate what you're doing because you're not following the traditions of the family, if you will, and so on. Okay, so let's, let's go into verse 11 and 12. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Okay, so again, uh, every time when you see three, it's a special number in the Bible, three days. It's a special phrase in the Bible, and, and, and you, will, you will notice, right, three, uh, Jesus Christ, right, he died for our sins, was buried, and three days he rose again from the dead, right? You see, three is the Trinity, right? God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So three is something special here, and so it's no coincidence that Nehemiah here records that he came to Jerusalem and was there three days, and guess what? It was the same with Ezra, okay? So God is showing us something here about these three days, okay? And, and we'll kind of park here a bit. I'll come back to that because God is going to show Nehemiah something special because uh, he's going sh- to bring him to a tour of, of, of the walls in Jerusalem, but very discreetly, very discreetly. And this was God's specific plan for him, okay? And so um, verse 12 says, and, and I arose in the night, okay, I and some few men with me 
neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. And then colon, right? Neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. So the colon referring to the specific thing that he was doing at that night. So, so this is specific instruction from God that God want him, wanted him to be discreet in this situation, okay? You know, so he could have took the, the, the approach of when he come to Jerusalem with, uh, mind you, captains of the army and horsemen with me, you would think that he would want like a welcome, like, like da, 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 you know, from the king of the sixes, you know, I'm here, you know, and, and they welcome him and invite him and all that, right? Uh-uh. God had something special planned for Nehemiah. Three days he was in Jerusalem. And then that night, right, he, he arose in the night and went with a few men and just one beast, right? Was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon? Okay, so Nehemiah probably was tired, right? After the 1,800-mile trek and, you know, probably like, hey, I'll just take my horse, Okay. So, so the, the leader Nehemiah had discernment, okay? He, he told no man. We'll see this in verse 16 again that he in, indeed did that. He was in tune with God, right? Because he acknowledged that this was God's doing. It was God that placed this in his heart, acknowledging that it was God, right? Not saying this is myself. This is how smart I am or, or, or this and that, right? Uh, some, sometimes we can do something and ask God to bless my plan. Can you see that, like, my plan? And, and, and versus God, didn't you, don't you think God already know all the plans? Anyway, like, he kind of figured you out, you know? <laughs> so there's nothing new there. But how Nehemiah acknowledges God, acknowledges God, just show him and show me that, man, uh, this is a man that is in tune with God's heart. And so God wanted him to know certain things before he went to talk to the people. Okay, and we'll, 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 in verse 16, we will see what are those people are. Okay, so key point number three, a leader prays and consider the timing of giving information out. Okay, I hope I kind of didn't butcher that sentence. But a leader prays and considers the timing, maybe I'll, I, I can say it, the timing of when information is given out. Okay? Okay, Proverbs 21, 29, 11 say, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it till afterward. Uh, verse 12, If a ruler hearken to lies, all his servants are wicked, wicked. And so we can see here, okay, perhaps could it be that, that God didn't want someone to tell those people, like, okay, because Sanballat and Tobiah, right, they're already extremely grieved. And if those people get to know what's going on as well, then Sanballat and Tobiah can start working lies with those people. Does that make sense? Right? And, and, and so then if a ruler hearken to lies, all his servants are wicked. And so when, when, when Nehemiah comes to like make a charge and say, hey guys, 
they already bought into a lie because the information was leaked out, right? But I, that's why I say a fool utters all his mind, but a wise keeper it in till afterward. The right timing is so important, okay? Mission trips, if you've been to a mission trip, if you've been to a mission trip with me or, or other people, you would notice one of the things that we'll say is, hey, be careful with writing back uh, to HQ, if you will, or to your parents or back home and so on. Why? Because if something is not reported correctly or maybe there's an incident that happened like Andrew got into food poisoning or whatever, whatever that is, right? And then everyone in Kansas City will panic and like, oh my gosh, what is going to, you know, and then they're going to call me like, hey, what, what kind of leader are you? I mean, uh, bringing people and eat all this street food. And so in addition to having to deal with the situation at hand, you have to deal with all that stuff back home who don't know what is going on. Does that make sense? The timing of the information going out is extremely important. Okay, okay, problems. Uh, problems, right? Leaders do not share people's problems um, to everyone quickly, right? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, you know, well, uh, uh, you know, a lot of pastoral and leader discussion are not shared, for example. They're not shared. Even to my wife. Even to my wife. Why? Because people will inevitably start looking at people differently. You know, even you say, oh, man, yeah, that, that, oh, man, I can't believe he did that. And so the, the, the intrinsic person, right, is affinity because I'm with, with you. Man, that's my enemy. You know, oh, they did that to you. Oh, I can't believe it. And so there's this thing already brewing, and you, you're not going to be as friendly to that person because you know something. Right? So, so leaders do not do that. A leader knows how to time something. If something doesn't need to be shared, it doesn't need to be shared. Right? And, uh, you know, leaders protect people until it is absolutely necessary to share something. Then you have to. Right, because because it you know uh, of of the specific situation. So a leader prays, asks God, and considers the timing of giving information out, giving information out because it protects people. In Nehemiah's case, it protected the mission that God has given him to do, and God wanted him to know something first, even before he actually tells the people. Okay, so. Uh, verse 13, and okay, so this is the night discovery trip. The night discovery trip by Nehemiah, right? And, and very discreet, it's at night, right? Not a lot of people, so quiet, everyone quiet, go at night. And, 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 and Nehemiah wanted to see the reality of what's going on, okay? So he already been informed by Hanani, right? The, the friend, the brethren from Juna, like, hey, this is what's happening. Now he can put eyes on the situation and leaders wants to put eyes on the situation, right? Know firsthand what's really going on. But I want to introduce you to a lot of the wordings in verse 13 and 14, because, you know, if you study the Bible long enough, you will see that the Old Testament gives a lot of pictures of, of a lot of the New Testament truth, okay? And so we're going to see a lot of these pictures uh, between verse 13 and 14. And if you follow along, I hope you see the picture as well, okay? So let's read verse 13 and 14 
and then we'll decipher, we'll decipher these pictures, okay? So verse 13 and 14, and I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Okay, so let's look at these phrases and gates and see what they all mean. Okay, so by the gate of the valley. Okay, so valley normally pictures the trials of life. Okay, even before the dragon well. Okay, so if you study the word dragon, it appeared in the Bible 18 times, which is six plus six plus six, 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 six. Okay, very interesting. Okay, didn't make that up. If you, if you do a Bible, you can see the dragon well. Revelation chapter 12, verse nine says, and the great dragon was cast out. Who's the, who's the great dragon? That old serpent called the devil and Satan. There you go synonymous, all the same. If we don't know, if we weren't clear, dragon is the serpent, the devil is Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Okay, and then it, and then it goes on to the dung port. Dung port, okay. Now, there's two dungs in the Bible. One is the, I mean, I mean, there's more than, there's the, Greek dung and two Hebrew dung. Okay, so the two Hebrew dung. So this dung is not refer, referring to the excrement or crap, okay, but more of rubbish, right? Just literal rubbish, trash, <coughs> trash. This is the dung port, and this is where people get rid of rubbish. Was to, to this specific gate. And then they viewed, the walls of Jerusalem, okay? The walls of Jerusalem, which was broken. Okay, and we, we know Jerusalem is a city of peace, right? Shalom, salam is peace. City of peace, but the city is no, it's not in peace. Because why? The walls are broken, okay? City of peace is broken and the gates were consumed with fire, right? And so what are gates for? Gates are mechanism, right? Used to open to the good stuff and to close for the bad stuff. Fair, right? You can call that discernment on our part, right? Discernment, open stuff to the good stuff and close things to the bad stuff, right? And then verse 14, we see this. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain, okay, and to the king's pool. Uh, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. And so fountain and king's pool, you know, if you, if you look at scripture, fountains of life in thy light shall we see light, you see water, and so on. And it's a picture of the Holy Spirit. Okay, uh, apparently Hezekiah built this in Second Chronicles 32. 30 for the king's pool. But, but, but check this out. It says there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass in these two 
situation in the king's pool and in the fountain gate. In other words, there was so much trash and litter and rubbish that even the horse can't get through. So much, right? That, that Nehemiah has to come down that horse and I don't know whether he had to crawl or he had to, I don't know how he did it, but it was just so trashy that he couldn't come to it, okay? So let, let us put all of this together. Let us all put all of this together. So from Valley Gate all the way, okay? So in the trials of their life, right, in the valley, the dragon has become their well of life. Idols, in fact. And their life is full of rubbish and filth that it has completely covered their access to the fountain, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit. As a result of that, there is no peace in their life. The walls are broken. And the gates, right, are consumed by fire. They have no more discernment. They have lost their way. You see that? You see that picture, right? And so what we see here is a very, very beautiful thing uh, here. Um, is, is, is Nehemiah got to the root issue of what's going on with the children of Israel, with this whole situation. God was revealing something to Nehemiah. And so key point number four here is leaders find out the root issue before proceeding to give a prescription. Leaders find out the root issue before proceeding to give a prescription. And, and if you want to turn back, um, oh, we got the application here. The, the, the application of that, right, is counseling, right? As leaders, you, we, we counsel people, but also as a self-confrontation tool, right? You see that? Because we can, we can kind of, put the same thing, the same kind of ideas here and word it as a question, right? And word it as a question. So how can we do that? For counseling or self-confrontation, you can change the pronouns and so forth, okay? So I, I can say, how does this person deal with trials and decision-making in their life, the valleys? How do I, self-confrontation, deal with trials and decision-making in my life? How do I do that in the valley? It's not only mountaintop experience, but in the valley, how do I do that? Do it well or not well? Question number two, when I inspect the source of wisdom for life, do these people, do this person listen and obey worldly wisdom? Worldly wisdom? The dragon's well? Or do they listen and obey the word of God, Holy Spirit, and the church, the three things that God has left for us, right, in the New Testament church? It is the word of God, the Holy Spirit of God, and the church. You see, a lot of people can go with one and two, but when it comes to church, I'm like, oh, mm, don't like organized church. 
because they keep me accountable. <laughs> that's, the, that's the problem, right? And, and they, they would twist scripture to fit their narrative, okay? But the well of life is the word of God, the Holy Spirit and church. How does this person, how do I, how do I, when I inspect the wisdom of my life, is that, do I go to the dragon's well, right? Or do I go to God's well? Question number three, when I inspect their life or my life, is it full of order, uh, full of disorder and dysfunction? <coughs> now, this is referring to all that rubbish, right? The rubbish was piling up, and I bet it is, I mean, stings to high heaven. I mean, people would keep trashing that place, and that's why they were a reproach. The word reproach, they are disgrace. I mean, and, and I think I mentioned how um, the, you know, the, um, how a, a country is run reflects on the, the na- national identity. Does that make sense? So if, a, if you go to a, a country's airport and you're like, whoa, man, Abu Dhabi like, airport looks like this. Oh my goodness, they must be doing good. You know what I'm saying? But for them, I mean, it was pile of rubbish. Okay, so, so the, the application here is, is that life full of disorder and dysfunction or order and function? Question number four, do they have peace in their life or is peace constantly broken? This is referring to the Jerusalem, right? Do they have Jerusalem? And then finally, for counseling or self-confrontation, have they, have I lost my way? And do I have a vision for my life? Do I, have I lost my way? Do I have a vision for my life? Because that gate was consumed with fire. Do you see that, right? So this is very helpful. Uh, Counselors, leaders, man, take note of that. God gave that to Nehemiah. Isn't that cool? I mean, before he met with the people, God says, figure out the root issue. Figure out the root issue. Because it's not just about a wall, guys. Right? The wall is just a figurative speech. I mean, for them it is, but for us, it means a lot more. And we we saw that last time as well. And so... um, so verse 15 here is, is something excited about what's to come. So it's a bit of a teaser. Uh, so, so when he got done with that, he says that, Then when I up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley, and so uh, the dung gate, the fountain gate, and then he has to come off on foot because it was full of stuff. And, and, and what is the broke by that right-hand side? Kidron, okay? So any Bible student here who have studied broke Kidron, you know that it has a lot in it. Uh, broke Kidron, uh, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a landmark. I mean, King David passed over the brook as he fled from his son Absalom. 
Jesus uh, passed through the, the brook he drawn on his way to Gethsemane. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll paint a picture here. Okay, the valley was a burial place for the dead. Okay, and, and here's what I want you to, to know. The brook Kidron was used in many occasions as a place to destroy idols, to destroy objects used by rebellious Jews in demon worship. And so when you look at those verses, 1 Kings 15, 13, and also Maka, his mother, even her, he removed from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove. Verse 6, and he brought out the grove from the house of the Lord without Jerusalem unto the brook Kidron and burned it at the, in the climatic tour, discovery tour that God gave Nehemiah. He showed the last key to unlock for the children of Israel in Nehemiah chapter 8. Okay, it's very interesting because that was the broke. That was the broke. And, and, and if, you, if you pick up what Kidron is, it has to sell. Getting rid of the idols in your life, right? Because that was the reason why they went into captivity. And, and guys, we first, and, and it's so cool that this picture is in there as Nehemiah was adjourning back to the valley gate that he went through this uh, Kidron uh, broke. And so I thought that was really cool. So I'll just, uh, I thought I'll add that in there, but that we will see in reality later on in Nehemiah chapter eight. Okay, so in, in, in closing, okay, we see now uh, that once he'd done that discovery trip at night, okay, now he's ready to meet the people. And so, so verse 16, and the rulers knew not whither I went, okay? The rulers didn't know. Or what I did, neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. No one knew. No one knew. And these are the people that in verse 17, Nehemiah is talking to. Then said I unto them, them are all these people in verse 16. And he told them, ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the, then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me, and they said, let us rise. Overwhelming, the drama, everything was overwhelming. But because Nehemiah was a man of vision, God has put it in his heart to do what he has asked him to do. He is able to see past the rubbles. He's able to see past the rubbish. He's able to see past the distress. He's able to see past the reproach. You know, and he can rally people up and say, hey, guys, God's hand is upon me. And, and this is the testimony of what God has already done. You know, the king has given me much favor. Look, all these horsemen, look, all the lumber, 
Look, when we came here safely, 1,800 miles, no problem. Guys, I already seen what happened. It doesn't affect me. One bit. I'm not afraid of your problem. Wow. Isn't it awesome? Isn't it awesome? Key point five, right? This is the key here. Someone out there, someone out there is waiting for your, for our faith and testimony to jumpstart their restoration. Someone out there, someone out there is waiting for you, right? To have that kind of faith, to have that kind of vision, to see past the problem and you're like, I'm not overwhelmed. Because God has blessed me. God's hand is upon me. And we saw all the things that Nehemiah has done to come to that place. It wasn't easy, wasn't it? But it required faith, compassion, uh, patience, waiting on Him, waiting for God to move, not me to move. Many times we move and we, yeah, I don't know how many times that I have tried to move before God and I always hit a wall. <laughs> Right? Instead of, instead of helping, I'm not helping. Right? And I get more discouraged. Have you ever been there before? Right? That we try to kind of uh, uh, do things before God asks us to do. Because God says, hey, wait, wait, wait. Your heart is not there yet. Your heart is not there yet. You're not aligned with me yet. So why are you doing all this? For your glory? Uh, I mean, Ministry is addictive. I mean, you know, people get help, you know. And so sometimes we don't even know why we're doing something. Because we're just doing it. Because it's church. I'm supposed to stand there and give a handout. I'm supposed to do, supposed to be in the altar, but really I'm not even there. Right? Have you been there when, when you're supposed to be in ministry, but your heart is not even there? You know, but, the, the, but here's so cool. We, we need to remember someone out there is waiting. You know, uh, Brian Clark uh, did this blog post, like they're strange people, and it was a very clever play on words. Strange people, and he, yeah, how many of you read that? Uh, okay, highly recommend that you read it. And he's talking about those strange people, the strange people, they are strange people that actually want to listen. Right? And they're waiting. They're waiting. Their life is is in despair and they're waiting for someone with authentic faith, genuine faith and a genuine testimony and to come and say, hey, brother or friend, not brother yet, but friend, I got good news for you. This is what God has done. And, 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 and man, that's how we make an impact and that's how get, God gets all the glory Right? Amen? God gets all the glory. In, in, okay. So, so you know, um, Jerusalem. Uh, this, is, this, this incident here is 92 years after the Babylonian captivity. They waited 92 years for this one man to rise up and, and, and now to start building. How many years do people have to wait for you? Right, I pray that it's soon. It's soon. I pray that uh, you can you can go to the next one. Uh, you know, we'll remember the steps right from the weeks before. Remember all the steps 
right? Study out Nehemiah chapter one, study him out and see, man, what kind of man he is, right? And, and, then, and then apply that in our life. Like, God, I want to be like Nehemiah. I, I want to be in a place where I can say, wow, it was all God. It wasn't me. You know, I want to be in that place. Then I have full confidence. Then I can tell people with a straight face, with boldness and say, the hand of God is upon me. Wow, I want that. I, I pray that we all want that, right? Let's pray. And then we'll split into our groups uh, and pray that, uh, you know, this Saturday with the um, apple picking, that God will bless that, use you mightily. Okay, Father, we, we thank you for uh, tonight. Uh, thank you for, again, uh, the pictures that we see in the book of Nehemiah and how uh, you use that discovery trip at night to teach him uh, how to see root issues. Uh, Lord, we have uh, roots, root issues in our life that hasn't been dealt with. They're hidden. They're like kings, if you will, in our life, and they continue to rule over us. Instead of our spirit ruling, these strongholds are like like kings ruling our life and sometimes we don't even do the things that uh i mean we 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 dislike the things that we are even doing and it feels like we can't even control it lord we we need your help uh we want to be a people that is pleasing to you and so lord would you would you cause us um lord to take that night trip as well uh to take that figurative night trip and just see kind of the where I'm at. What are the roots that needs to be taken down to the brook Kidron? Uh, Lord, would you use leaders in our life, Lord, including myself? I need leaders in my life. Everyone needs covering in their life, Lord, that we would work it out, work it through, and allow you to unroot these things. Uh, that we may worship you freely and powerfully. And, uh, and Lord, that we may have peace, that Jerusalem peace that, that, that you designed for us. You, you, that's what you want for us is peace, harmony, and success. And so God, forgive us if we haven't been uh, faithful to you. But Lord, we know from Psalm 136, that your mercy endure forever. I, I have done this, but your mercy endure forever. Yes, Lord, I, but your mercy endure forever. And so help us to remember that your mercy endure forever. So help us, uh, Lord, to, to build and not to condemn uh, ourselves or one another. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.